0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to The Bullpen with your host, Les Vogler.
2: Okay, I got in studio today with me uh, a real special guest, and we're going to go over some stuff. It's that time of the year... uh, you know, basically the first of March here where it's, I mean, it's an exciting time of the year. Calves are being born. Uh, We're getting towards the end of winter, thank goodness, uh, here in Nebraska. And uh, we're starting to you know maybe think more about our breeding decisions for this upcoming upcoming uh upcoming year how to advance our herd and, and advance our our genetics so we're gonna we're gonna dive into uh, the whole world of IVF today so in in studio here today is uh Chantel Cruz she is uh with Bovatech and Chantel, what is your official title and everything of at Bovatech? Sure, Tech?
3: I'm the director of business development for Bovatech. Um, my roles include working directly with our satellite centers and veterinarians, um, key clients, to ensure that we get the best results possible for
2: our customers. Okay, awesome. And now, just a little history on IVF about. Uh, how long has Bovatech been in, in business?
3: Sure. So, Bovatech actually opened um, as an assisted reproductive technology company in 1986 okay. um, and then was purchased um, by CMEX in 2011. And then we brought that technology to the U.S. in 2014, so um, 2014 was our first full year in business, and so we're going on
2: year eight in the U.S. Okay, so when people when people hear the word IVF, what exactly what does that mean?
3: Yep, so IVF just means in vitro fertilization, and it's the practice of removing oocytes from a cow, and instead of the fertilization occurring inside of the uterus, that fertilization is occurring in vitro, which literally means in glass. Petri dishes used to be made of glass. They're plastic Plastic now, now, but we still call it uh, in vitro fertilization. And then beyond the fertilization, also culture, so the growth of those embryos up to day seven also all happens in, in plastic, if you will, and then on day seven we talk to our clients, see if they want those embryos shipped fresh or frozen. And then those embryos are either transferred fresh on day seven
2: mm-hmm. or frozen for transfer to a later frozen date. Frozen implanted later. Okay. Awesome. So let's, let's, circle back just a little bit. I mean, you grew up uh, basically in Tecumseh, Nebraska and went to school. You went to uh, Colorado State, am I correct?
3: Yep. So I did my undergrad at UNL. Yep. And then I went to Colorado State for my master's and worked in an IVF lab there. Then I did my PhD at the University of Minnesota. and We used OPU and IVF technologies to Mm -hmm. look at the impacts of nutrition on um, embryo development and
2: early pregnancy. Awesome. So when it comes to knowledge about this, there's probably, I know from my point of view, I've never talked to anybody that has any more knowledge or in my, any smarter about this than, than Chantel. I would and have just, to disagree even, with even that. Even in your dad, your dad, your dad <laughs> didn't pay me a dime to say that either. So, but, uh, yeah. So Chantel, let's, let's just, let's just dive right in. Okay. IVF in vitro fertilization. Uh, I run some I run some cows, uh, and I want to. What are some advantages of IVF?
3: Yeah, so when we think about it in comparison, especially with conventional flushing, um, the frequency at which you can do it is a big advantage. So you can do IVF every two weeks. Okay. Um, if we think about that versus conventional flushing, probably every six weeks is a little bit more comfortable time frame for people. Um, also, when we think about how we're doing that, right? So. Conventional flush, you're going to the uterus and removing those embryos. With OPU, you're actually bypassing the uterus and going directly to the ovaries. So because of that, the state of the uterus doesn't necessarily matter. So we can actually collect pregnant donors, which, of course, you couldn't do with conventional flush. And we can also collect pre-pubertal donors, um, I would say on the beef side, probably as young as about nine months is as early as we usually start. Okay, on the so so
2: side. so you're saying something right there. You can actually, and this is something you probably wouldn't even think about with the conventional flush is is the the early age maybe as early as nine months on the beef on the beef donors
3: yep and i would say um again from that beef perspective so where we see people use that like they're getting ready to have a a sale of their you know top end females and they want to retain some of those genetics they Mm -hmm. might do a round or two of collections on those top end females before they sell them. as an example
2: speaking from experience we did that this last year uh you know, not not a huge number, but I think it was seven or seven or eight, you know, females that we we were going to breed and then sell as bred, as bred heifers, and uh, we did the IVF on the, on on those, and uh, actually had calves on the ground out of one particular donor. Uh, we had six calves on the ground before she laid down and had her natural calf. Yep. So that is really an, an advantage there. What are what are some of the other advantages of IVF?
3: Yeah, so um, again, when we compare it to conventional flush, so we're also, again, because we go directly to those ovaries, we're bypassing any issues that they might have in the oviduct or the uterus. So if they have an oviductal blockage, if they don't have a good ability to kind of serve as their own incubator, make enough right. progesterone to maintain that early pregnancy, um, we can make ambrose in situations where maybe you can't with conventional Mm -hmm. flush um so we we zero less often if you will uh, with the ivf technology um in addition to that we have access to um being able to use semen basically more efficiently so um a conventional dose of a really elite bull and um Les, obviously, has a lot of experience uh, on that side of things, and we know how expensive a single unit can get. Right, exactly. But um, on the conventional side, a single unit can cover 10-plus donors. If you were flushing her conventionally, you'd have to breed her two to three times.
2: Use two or three straws as compared to 10 donors with one straw. Correct. And out of those 10 donors, you could potentially be freezing if you averaged, I mean... What is the national average? Yep. Eight. Eight on beef. Eight on beef. So, yep. if you average eight, you're looking at 80 calves out of one straw of semen. Or 80, 80, 80 embryos. 80 embryos. So you know, it's not calves. live calves. Yep. The, yeah. About 40. That's amazing. Yep. So, and, and uh, just lost my train of thought here.
3: So, on the... We're talking about the semen side yeah, of things yeah, and just yeah. how efficiently we can use that. So not only expensive, but, you know, rare semen too. Right. We, we get a lot of stuff on on bulls that are gone now. Um, and the other aspect is being able to use reverse sort. So any mm. bull that was yeah. put up ever, we can yeah. run through you the sorter sort and get males or females, mm. whatever is preferred. In fact, we've actually... Um, We've done some work with ampules, believe it or not, okay, um, yeah. that were put up in the 50s. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we're still able to make embryos and calves yeah. out of that semen. So. so,
2: okay. So, Chantel, when you say reverse sort, just explain maybe exactly what that means to some sure. to some people. Yep.
3: So, th- the three types of semen, right? Conventional, so just a, an ejaculate that's put up and frozen, you're going right. to get... male, 50% female sex semen is when that ejaculate is collected and then it's put through a sorter and then frozen
2: and then frozen.
3: Um, so again, sorted for the desired sex, obviously we mostly see female, um, on the dairy side of things, kind of see a mixture of uh, male and female on the beef. Um, and then reverse sort is taking a conventional dose and thawing it, and then sorting it after the fact. So one shot at a time, mm-hmm. basically, right before we do the right in before fertilization. You,
2: and and people need to understand once you reverse sort that semen. You can't go freeze it again. You have to use it.
3: Correct. Yep. So that kinda causes a irreversible cascade, if you will, of activating those sperm cells. And if they don't fertilize within, mm -hmm. you know, a twenty four hour period, then they're essentially
2: not viable after that. So so when you're going through the IVF and if you got a cow you want to IVF and you got so you have basically have three choices. You can use conventional semen, already sex semen are reverse sorted semen of those. And of those three, I'm sure there's different results with each one of them. just from my perspective, conventional semen, obviously that semen has a less least amount of stress on it. Correct. When you sort the semen, for those of you that have any, it, it runs through a machine and there's a lot of pressure put on the, on the heads and the acrosomes of that, of that semen. It's a really slow process, but that would probably be my second choice. My third choice would probably be the reverse sort, just because that semen's already been froze, then you thaw it out, and then you run it through there. But in some cases, that's your only option.
3: Yep. Um, I would say also, so if the other aspect that we have a big advantage at Bovatec is we can test um, any semen on solder house oocyte, so we actually have access to a... um, cowkill plant that we get oocytes from, and we're able to basically optimize the conditions of Mm -hmm. that bull. And so with a conventional, with a conventional collection, let's say, Les freezes 150 straws on a conventional collection, we can take one and we can make assumptions about the other how the other 149 will perform. (laughs) Right. Um, If we did that with a sex product, same thing. So the ejaculate is collected, sorted, and then frozen. So let's say you got 40 straws from that lot. We can take one and make assumptions about the other 39. On reverse sort, that is essentially a new product each time. right? Because the amount of pressure um, and stress basically applied through that process varies each time. Um, And essentially any kind of stress on semen gets them activated to be able to fertilize those oocytes, sites and some activation is good um but too activated right they can burn out quickly so what we're looking for is kind of a mid-range activation and um we use that through the process and then the addition of uh basically a chemical called heparin we do that for all types of semen Mm -hmm. but it's a lot more of a moving target in reverse sort compared to conventional or sex gotcha um that being said, if we look at our sex development, um, I think Q1 for this year we're sitting right about thirty-two percent. So that's still over 30, the U.S. average. Thirty-two for
2: percent for development. This is on reverse order. On or reverse. On re- That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, conventional awesome.
3: would be over forty.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, okay. So we got so we got uh, the conventional, the the regular sex, and the reverse order. So good. I mean, let's. I mean, let's kind of go into some of the when, when, um, when maybe out of blueprint, Dr. Dan or, or at our place, Vogler's, uh, when Dr. Clem comes out, Clem Neely is our vet that does our OPU, when they're going in there and pulling these oocytes, these O sites, just kind of walk us through the process, so maybe some of these people that haven't done it can maybe visualize a little bit what's exactly going on sure. from, from, from so- when we get it to where we ship it up to, to Wisconsin.
3: Sure, so the actual OPU process. Right. Yep, yep, yep. So um, the vet will go in and palpate rectally just like you would for a normal uh, ultrasound or. Uh, breeding Um, and then they have a probe that they insert vaginally and on the end of that probe is an ultrasound transducer Um, so they grab the ovary um, they press that up against the ultrasound transducer and then within that probe there's a needle so once they've got the ovary in place and they can visualize the follicle the follicles are essentially the fluid filled um the fluid-filled sacs that contain the oocytes. So once they visualize the follicle, then they have a needle that runs within that probe. Um, The needle goes through the vaginal wall and into the follicle. And that needle is hooked up to tubing that's hooked up to a vacuum pump. And when you go into the follicles, the contents of that follicle, so follicular fluid and hopefully the oocyte, um, are aspirated out through that tubing and they're collected in a tube so they just go um they go through each ovary continue to visualize with the ultrasound and continue to use that needle to puncture each follicle and to remove the contents of that so that goes into a about a 50 mil tube and then from there on it's essentially treated very similar to a conventional flush so you filter the contents of that tube Mm -hmm. that follicular fluid um through a filter um different people use different filters yeah. um and then you basically put the remainder of the contents you rinse that filter into a search dish and then that search dish you put under a scope again just like you would with a conventional flush system and you've got a embryologist looking through that scope to identify those oocytes
2: yeah okay so go, going going back a little bit i mean this is i mean with with the Bovatech procedure or their protocol i mean uh and what I really like about it it's results oriented you know calves on the ground at the end so when we're bringing that cow in we're not necessarily worried about speed we're not worried about how quick we can do this at all so one you know a lot of people say oh we can get these cows in you know we're done probably 10 12 15 minutes but uh, what a lot of people i mean when i know when dr clem comes out the first thing he does he makes sure everything is very sanitized and yeah. and how many any he, and he he the washes the back of the cow then he also sterilizes thing and, and then does doesn't he do a, a uterine flush on these cows, too?
3: Uh, so it's a vaginal lavage. It's a vaginal lavage. A vaginal
2: yep. lavage. Okay. yep.
3: And so when we... We use cedars in our system because you right. need a source yep. of progesterone to yep. make a good quality oocyte. So it pulls out the cedars and... Um, understand people have some concerns about cedars and possibly causing some kind of vaginitis or discharge Mm -hmm. and when they pull those cedars out then we do the vaginal lavage so we do it first basically with a disinfectant and then we do it with just normal flush media so that everything is clean, and the purpose of that is right. So we're we're going in vaginally with the probe, and then we're introducing that needle through the vaginal wall. Yep. So we want to ensure that there's no bacteria or any mm-hmm. kind of contaminants when we go through the vaginal wall. Um, so if you don't do vaginal lavage, you can risk bringing in
2: and there some are type of there are contaminants. Yeah. So that's the nice thing about bovatech It's every. It's very very. Is sterile and very clean and very easy on the cow so let's go back just a, a little bit because you mentioned cedars and stuff so let's go back to the protocol about the fsh and the cedars and uh maybe put to bed some of the myths about fsh sure and stuff and what and why why we do it the way that you that you tell us to do it sure Chantel.
3: um so if you want me to use your handy dandy whiteboard you i can absolutely. draw some follicular waves here for yep. you less um so, take everybody back here to Animal Science One Hundred and One. That is a crooked line. Um, so, I don't know. In normal follicular recruitment, um, I, can, I can hold it up when okay. I'm done here. Yeah. Um, so we have selection, and let's say at that time we get a small group of small follicles, essentially. Um, And then the next phase of that is recruitment so maybe half of those go on to the next phase Um, and this is what happens naturally as a cow is preparing to naturally
2: with no drugs or anything correct correct
3: so when we assume only half what happens to the other half those other half are dying so we're going to make x's for those dying follicles okay
2: so these are follicles, not really oocytes. Do we call these oocytes? Or do we call so these them follicles? are
3: follicles, but follicles. each follicle should contain one. Each
2: follicle should contain one. Okay, yes, gotcha. Sir. I'm with you.
3: So, um, selection, recruitment, and then dominance. So dominance is basically one single follicle. One. So cows are a monoovulatory species. Yeah. Mean meaning they ovulate one at a time, one right? Because yep. we want them to have one calf. We don't want them to have a litter.
0: Yeah, and exactly. so
3: <laughs> naturally, right? Um, she basically gets to a point where she just has a single dominant follicle. Yeah. Okay, and so at each phase, basically, you have atresia or follicular death occurring, mm-hmm. and these will not go on to right. make a viable embryo. Okay. So, um, we've got our dominant follicle. That dominant follicle also produces something called inhibin, and inhibin literally inhibits the growth of these other follicles because Make, makes sense. they don't want a litter right they don't want i'm so, i'm the top dog here i don't want any i don't want a brother or sister coming up in here because i'm taking all the resources so
2: that's why we spend the extra time to give them
3: yep gnrh gnrh
2: do a dominant follicle removal correct sometimes once preferably twice correct
3: yep and so if we think about this occurring right this is what occurs naturally and we have normal follicular waves these are always the occurring in uh-huh. cattle um we can have two three four waves on occasion within an estrous cycle so
2: okay. um cycle is the time when the cow is coming into heat
3: well, it's basically but just it describes it the d- duration of the 21-day The duration one of the 21-day
2: day, yes. Yep. yep,
3: exactly. So you have these follicular waves happening naturally. Yep. Um, and within each wave, right, you have this selection, recruitment, and dominance. Yep. And you have atresia. You have yep. these follicles dying mm-hmm. that don't become this dominant one. So when we come in randomly and collect at random points of the ester cycle without synchronization or without... Without,
2: speech, without doing anything. just correct
3: um you're kind of playing russian roulette yeah so you can come in here and okay we're going to be getting some immature immature ones yep and if we think to i should also include this so there's basically a a point at which follicles reach a certain size that we expect um, that oocyte to be mature enough from a cytoplasmic standpoint and from a nuclear standpoint to be able to go on to make a good quality embryo okay and that's Typically after seven millimeters in size, so these all would be less than seven millimeters. These would mm-hmm. all be small follicles. Okay, come in here, right? We're going to be collecting a lot of small follicles, right? And they're going to be poor quality, and poor so quality. the likelihood. So
2: you're going to go. So if you go, if you go no drugs, no nothing, just go in there and uh, aspirate them. Yeah, you may get a lot of follicles. Sure. You may get a lot of oocytes.
3: Yep, but you're not going to get a lot of good quality oocytes, and you're not going to get a lot of embryos.
2: And if you don't get a lot of good quality, the embryos you. Your quality of embryos in the long run probably not going to be quite as good. Correct. Okay.
3: Um. So then, if you come in, let's say at this point, we're going to be collecting these follicles that are undergoing atresia, so they're dying. Okay. We might get this one that'll make a good.
2: The one dominant. Good one. embryo. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, you're basically collecting dying follicles. Okay. Um. So you run. A risk coming in at random times without really kind of planning this out, um, on getting oocytes from small follicles that are unlikely to become an embryo.
2: Okay, makes sense.
3: So this is a non-stimulated model, right? Um, if we look at then stimulating, so. What FSH does, a lot of people are under the impression that FSH gives you more follicles. Which it is doesn't. which
2: is not not true. FSH is not does not give you more fo- follicles. It does not give you more oocytes.
3: It doesn't give you more follicles, but what it does, so the cell death I was describing earlier, that doesn't happen when you when you add FSH. So now these will go on to the recruitment phase.
2: This is with an FSH This is with shock. FSH. And with, there's different protocols for FSH. This is with the Bovatec protocol. Correct. Yeah.
3: Um, so these will go on. You don't have these follicles undergoing atresia, right? We don't have mm-hmm. these little Xs coming. Yeah. And then this group, right, they will continue to go on as well. So now we have a large group of uniform follicles that are all within this window that they are at least seven millimeters in diameter and they're very likely then to produce a good quality oocyte Mm -hmm. that's likely to become an embryo and ultimately a pregnancy
2: awesome awesome
3: um so that's kind of the physiological explanation if you will um there's a lot of data as well um that is reported by the american embryo transfer association um it's got a pretty good memory but not quite as good to have this all exactly (laughs) memorized so i brought a sheet here yeah um but if we look at the so the most recent data that we have was collected in 2020 Mm -hmm. Uh, this report came out the end of last year um but if we look at the difference in number of donors collected with fsh versus without um donors collected with FSH in the US increased by about 19,000. Donors collected without FSH decreased by about 19,000. So So
2: the trend is kind of going to using more more of the people using the FSH.
3: Correct. And when we when we think about why it's pretty easy to explain when we look at these stats. So embryo development with FSH US average is
2: 28%. Embryo development.
3: Correct. So that's if you send in 20 oocytes, 28% of those will become an embryo.
2: Can you hand me that towel there? We're gonna remember these numbers, folks.
3: So six, if you send in 20.
2: 28%,
3: and so this is US average. I actually just calculated Bovatec average for February, and we're at 39.
2: You're at 39, Um, okay.
3: So without FSH then, the US average is 17%. So about half of what you can do with FSH. So then how that impacts embryos per donor, again, U.S. average 5.7 with FSH, without is three. So by not using FSH, you basically have to do twice the number of collections, pay for consumables twice, have the, the aspirator or the veterinarian out twice, and at the end of the day, you're making slower genetic progress because you're making half the number of embryos each time. Okay. In addition to that the embryos that are made also have poor pregnancy rates so about 20% poor pregnancy and these rates. aren't
2: these aren't numbers you're just pulling out of the sky oh. these are numbers reported by who Chantel yep
3: the american embryo transfer association, the embryo transfer so, association. Embryo transfer so that's made these. up of certified
2: veterinarians yep. across and, the and country and how many about do you have any idea how many members no how many embryos how many how many how yep. many yeah so whatever, this
3: this represents about 110 Hundred ten
2: thousand collected across yeah, okay. the country so it's a it's a it's a large here. sample size yep. it's yep. a really large sample size
3: yep um so as i was saying pregnancy rates are impacted as well um so if we extrapolate out the embryos per donor again with and without fsh we're looking at about three pregnancies with fsh less than one without fsh
2: so three pregnancies per donor or per cycle with collection with With three pregnancies with and less than one without correct so if you start doing the math it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out what's more efficient correct yep
3: and i would i would add that kind of the argument over the last two or three years um that's really been pushed as a suggestion of why to use a non-stimulated approach is that it's more natural and causes less stress on the animal.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, which Which, I think kind of, if you're just sitting there looking at it, you know, you may, you may believe that. Yeah.
3: I think we can all agree that getting a cow up twice a day is going to cause more stress than leaving her in the pasture. Um, but at the end of the day, right, we're in production agriculture. And I think if we think about it from the standpoint of, being good stewards of what we've been given right it's our job to optimize production of what we have so when we think about other we think about eliteness in this industry right Mm -hmm. there are many other aspects where we push a little bit harder to get more production right Right. so the elite feeders in this country they implant every calf that comes into their lot and they get more pounds of gain and they hang a heavier carcass yeah, the, when the, it hits the Yeah, the goal is, yeah,
2: yeah pound, pounds at the market more. Yeah, exact, absolutely.
3: And when we think about the elite heifer breeders or bull breeders in this country, right, they're using AI. Um, if you didn't use AI, right, natural service, a mm. bull in a normal breeding season could cover 50 or 100 cows versus take a bull to Vogler Seaman Center and make a yeah. few thousand units well, yeah, of yeah just, now, just
2: Yeah, just like today, we, we collected bulls before I came up here. You know, we had bulls that ranged anywhere between 200 and 500 doses per collection right so, and that's a
3: single collection that's right? a single so collection an yeah. elite bull could sire yeah. thousands of calves right. a year by using a technology that pushes production mm-hmm. because we want to be elite the same thing is true on the donor side right a donor instead of just having her one natural calf can have several calves in a year mm-hmm. um Marketers, right? The elite marketers in this industry—they're getting those heifers up. You know, they want whoever they're selling those calves for to get those heifers up, get them rinsed, let's grow hair, let's get them clipped up, let's get them pictured because we want them to perform. We're in production agriculture. Everybody who wants to be elite is pushing okay. the envelope yep. to get production.
2: Okay, let's remember remember this right here, Chantel, because we're I need we're going to make a phone call when you said elite producers. Yep. we're going to try to get on the phone. An elite producer that has used Bovatech. So perfect, perfect. Hang, hang, hang with us. We're going to make a phone call here and see, uh, see if we can get uh, Brad Fricking on the line. Hey, Brad, uh, I've had I have Chantel Cruz in with me here today at the studio uh, for the recording of the bullpen. We're talking about IVF and Bovatech. Um, and uh, I know you're a really good customer, uh, not only in the bowl collection business with us, but also, also you're uh, a really progressive customer. Can, tell us, can you tell us just a little bit of your experience with the Bovatech and IVF?
1: Um, absolutely, Les. Um, I think probably the best way to talk about it, um, you know, we, we made a pretty significant investment a couple of years back in some Hartman half on right. a December sale. And you know we bought that whole lot of them, the twenty-five head, and mm-hmm. and um, you know I kind of caught Mike Mike a little bit off guard, and <laughs> you know I told Mike that hey, I need to get a return on my investment, buddy. We're going to do some IVF and on these heifers.
2: Right. yeah.
1: <laughs> so so um, you know when I started working with you guys and um, and. I think we ended up less with probably 55 pregnancies out of that group. Um, we put in 100, 100 embryos, um, mm-hmm. got 55 pregnancies. And kind of the real interesting thing about it, as a reflect back on it, um, that we actually had all the IVF calves, the embryo calves, before the natural borns. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, because we got all of them set up to be kind of January, February calves, and the right. naturals were mainly March. Right, and you know, just talking about it, um, you, you know, Mike's a big ROI guy, and I, right. you know, obviously a ROI guy, and when I look back and reflect on it, um, it from a gross sales standpoint, less um, we did about a hundred and twenty percent gross sales. On the original
2: investment, so that and was a really one. good return on investment, wasn't it, Brad?
1: Well, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, obviously, we partnered with Mike on that. Right. So, um, but yeah, there's no better way to accelerate your returns.
2: Right, and you and and you're really a good person to talk to because, you're. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, but your main business is in in the pig industry, right? Where the pig oh, generations yeah, yeah, can yeah, turn yeah. over and you get you get litters. So basically, with this IVF, you can almost generate litters almost.
1: <laughs> well, I mean that's what we did. You, yeah. you know, if you look at if you look at what we did uh, with nine twenty three in that twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, we put nine calves on the ground. Um, sold all three heifers um, in the August sale. Yeah. And um, the five bulls made up, you know, a good chunk of the pen of five right. down at OKC, which turned around an average through Mike's sale 55000 a head.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. so that's- a really good I haven't ret-
1: done the growth on her, but she's pretty <laughs> damn high. Yeah,
2: she is. She is really good. She is really good. So it. So going. Go I mean, the, with the whole. So you've had. You've obviously had a great experience then with the Bovatech and and the use of that Absolutely. in the halfers. Well, that that is awesome. So, uh, you yes. know, go ahead, Brad. And I
1: know some. I know some people are reluctant, you know, to do them out of the gate like we did, but. um, You know i haven't seen anything negative from a less than the dairy industry it's standard practice
2: well absolutely absolutely yeah Chantel, you want to chime in a little bit on this
3: yeah so i would say on the the beef side generally we'll start them not a lot earlier than nine months um but on the dairy side i mean we'll start them quite young uh six months and even younger
2: yeah that's what that's what floored me on our conversation this morning the dairy yeah yeah
3: um brad i wanted to bring up so at your your sale in august um we were talking a little bit about IVF, and you had you had summarized it, I thought, really well in that you described, um, this is my insurance um, for oh, my yeah. investment.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand insurance really well, and <laughs> when you get into the, the high-end animals, um, when you get a lot of them, obviously, you're not carrying insurance. Um, you know, if you're just doing a one-off here and there, I understand it. So, so yeah, I I'd view be, I'd be up early on on these heifers as my insurance policy. And if I can bank a bunch of embryos out of the gate, um, I have no need for insurance on that animal.
2: Yeah, some of those heifers, yeah, they've already produced more than they would in, in their natural lifetime just by oh, you know, shoot, before well, they're too.
1: Yeah, look at 923. Yeah. I mean, we already got nine calves out of there. I mean, that would have taken our lifetime right. to produce that list. Yeah. so Some
2: of us aren't that patient, are we?
1: <laughs> I, I'm not one of you know, them. Me neither. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and ne- ne- <laughs> neither is our friend down south.
1: <laughs> you know, and shoot she less. you take 924. Um, you know, we did her a rebel. Yeah. And... You know she had a an august sale heifer i think went for forty three yeah um the d heifer went for two twenty five yeah <laughs> and the one son went for a hundred and sixty
2: that's not wow. bad, it's not bad at all <laughs> so <laughs> So, hey Brad, I know you got uh state wrestling uh your boys. Congratulations on that. You're getting yeah. ready to go to that uh that is awesome. I'm a big wrestling fan now since my granddaughter started uh but uh really appreciate Brad your business and then uh then jumping on the bullpen to talk a little bit about Bovatech. So uh oh, it, it's greatly appreciated, Brad. So uh, all right. We, we'll we'll talk to you later, buddy. Uh, all good, right, good, have a great day. You bet. Good luck at wrestling.
3: So We just got off the phone with Brad Frecking, elite producer. Um, We were talking about kind of what the different, regardless of the sector of the industry that you're in, what the different elite people do to stay on top. We were talking about the aspects of production agriculture, and it's our job to really get production out of these animals. So, again, we bring that, that back to the FSH versus no FSH argument. With FSH, you're getting two to three times the production. I'd say that that's certainly worth getting a cow up twice a day for three days exactly and
2: these and these just aren't your numbers they're national numbers right exactly reported by reported by that so yeah and and uh, yeah when brad was talking yeah we did those and it was is it was really cool to hear him say he put 100 embryos in and had 55 calves on the ground before any of those heifers laid down and had a calf of their own and that that was you know we didn't do it our own on that on that uh that big of numbers but our results were basically the same and stuff so let's talk a little bit i mean and we, we talked about fsh and then no fsh There are all i mean your protocol with fsh is maybe a little different than some other protocols am i correct chantelle
3: sure so we do six shots um 12 hour intervals are really important yeah. the reason why we have a little bit of an extended protocol in, in three days and six shots yeah. is because we want to mimic that follicular wave natural as, closely, as natural as you exactly can yeah. as closely as possible as what she would be doing on her own
2: mm-hmm. as she
3: prepares to ovulate so that's why that aspect um we also add progesterone um typically in the form of a cedar yep. and um again we know that progesterone is needed to have a good quality oocyte so we put the progesterone um the cedar in rather um at time of dfr or yep. at time of GnRH.
2: hmm
3: um and again, DFR, right? So we talked about that dominant,
2: dominant follicle. Dominant follicle removal. Yep. Why is that Why is that important to remove that dominant follicle? Yep.
3: So when we had our beautiful drawing earlier, yep. that dominant follicle is producing inhibits. So it's trying to kill That's off right. those yep. other yep. follicles okay. yep. because it doesn't want that cow to have
2: a litter. I didn't um. miss that, but I would, I would have not got that question. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So, okay. So... So we do that. So, so there's other protocols with FSH and yours. I mean, how did I mean you came up with with that protocol to, to more mimic the cow in her natural cycle, which 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 makes perfect sense if you sit back sit back and look at it. So, so we're putting in the cedar and giving her GnRH on let's say a Friday, and then probably our first shot schedule would be a Saturday. So we'd go. I mean, at Vogler's we go Saturday night at seven o'clock. Sunday morning at 7, Sunday night at 7, Monday morning at 7, Monday night at 7, and Tuesday morning at 7. And people talk about putting stress on the animals. Folks, we don't, I mean, we're not huge. We're not as big as Blueprint. And I and I know their facilities are run so they can put them through the cows where they shoot stress-free and they're on things. And it's just one person, you know, either Lauren or myself runs the cows through. Actually, he does it at night and I do it in the morning and uh, we have a sheet, but if we do it, we're doing it at 7 o'clock. We're exactly 12 hours apart. And I can run, it takes me probably to run 10 cows through. I'm done. It takes longer to mix the bottle of FSH up. You know, I can move them from the pen to the chute, and it's set up where it's no stress on these animals, uh, you know, done in less than 10 minutes. So, our, I mean, I think our success rate has a little bit to do with that and stuff. So, uh, and I'm sure it's the same way with, with Blueprint and uh, probably up, but I think Polzines, they're another satellite center too aren't they yep for
3: Minnesota yeah so
2: Minnesota and that's I have no trouble talking about these other ones because we're all in this together there's there's enough cows that keep us good lord they keep us all busy but uh you know people and and uh people talk about you know when they come to me oh it's kind of pricier stuff uh I think Chantel you've kind of went over some of this stuff where yeah the initial years other ways but if you look at your bottom line to where you said 0.3 or not less than one embryo yep 0.8 0.8 compared to
3: 2.8
2: 2, 2.8 so which is huge so uh, and i think you know then some people say well it's 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 hard for the younger guys getting started well to me not really because if you're if you're a younger guy getting started and you're worried about get but running them in putting a fsa shot FSH shot maybe you need to really step back and just say am I ready for this sure and I know it's it's not for everybody
3: and and I would say too if if labor is an issue on your farm and you don't want to give shots and you are looking to kind of haul in that day uh eliminate that Problem if you can't do it at twelve hour intervals on your place, take them to a
2: satellite. Yeah, take it, bring them bring them to us, and yep. we we actually encourage that because something I didn't realize, and it, it, this works the same way in bulls, folks. I mean, when you're moving bulls from from one place or another, it, sometimes when you move them, that's more stress on and st- that stress can actually affect semen, but it also can affect ovocytes Am I correct? Yep,
3: exactly. Yep, so being in a new, depending on how far they're trailered, being in a new environment, different Mm -hmm. feed, different kind of hierarchy within the pen. If there's an old boss cow and a nine-month-old heifer in the same pen, right, we can have uh, all kinds of stressors Mm -hmm. there. So being able to bring them in keep them pinned as kind of like as possible right put- yeah
2: we try we try to put the younger ones in a group and then and then the more mature cows in a group or, or we do have people bring in pairs and we keep them keep them in a different group uh, make sure the ration is is good which is all very important but uh, yeah the best you know and we do have some people that like to give their own shots but even some of those have converted over to where it's just as easy and doesn't cost them anymore to bring uh, to bring them over to us so I'm gonna get the The whiteboard out because I've done just just some figures from over I'm going to go back basically about 13 months and I cannot write upside down but over 100 different OPUs which is oversight pickups we at Vogler's we averaged I mean Chantel talked about that we were at whoops 62% development okay and that's okay so we did 100 OPUs at 62 percent develop and the national average Chantel.
3: so national average reported by the ata all across yeah. is 28 so percent
2: 28 national okay and
3: that 62 is is exceptional because even at bovetech
2: which okay so this is vogler over here national over here and folks i can't write so you are have to bear with me okay this is ours we're at 62 percent morale i mean development right Yep. And national average is 28, okay? Now when we drop down to here, the embryos per per cycle, we're at uh, 10 embryos, over 100 OPUs. And then what is the national average?
3: Um, if we look at everything together, stimulated is 5.7.
2: 5.7. Yeah. Okay. So here we are over here. If you bring them to Vogler's, or I'm going to say blueprint. I bet they're I bet they're very similar. I don't want to speak for them. We're at ten. Nationals at five point seven. Okay. Yeah. So,
3: so Vogler's results are exceptional. I have the Bova tag average over last year, and we were thirty nine percent development, and eight point four a donor so for at all 30, of the Thirty
2: nine. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's just which. So I got 100 numbers here. That's, you know, for us, yep. that's it. So you're probably dealing, but, but that, that is, this, these are beef cows, you know, and probably show heifers and, and some, some yearling heifers and stuff. But this is what we have done. And then a lot of people ask about cost. Well, we get down to cost. What it's going to cost you, say you get 10 embryos, you're looking at $162.50 per embryo. So, hundred and sixty two dollars and fifty cents per embryos if your cow averages ten dollars an embryo, ten so embryos. yeah yeah if you, if you get ten embryos it's going to cost you one hundred and sixty two dollars and fifty cents now you put those embryos in we're hoping to get out of those ten embryos. I would like to see closer to maybe six calves on the ground, maybe seven that's you know high. yep that's, that that would be high that would yep, be good, yep. but, like you said, Brad Fricking, he put in a hundred and he had fifty five yep, so he was at fifty five percent live calves on the ground okay so that's where your bottom line comes in so i don't know what some of the other companies are charging but if you're thinking about doing ivf or or, or whatever and you would like to maybe try the Bovatech way this is an example of what we're producing at our satellite center so uh and i believe uh, dr clem neely is just getting better and better all the time so uh that's kind of where we're, we're sitting there and now something else we got these cows pregnant. We're going to um, j- jump forward here a little bit, Chantel. Okay, and uh, how are we going to handle? We got the, we got we don't have them pregnant yet, but we're implanting we're implanting these embryos. What are some things that we should do?
3: Yeah. So um, one thing to note on IVF embryos that's probably going to be different than conventional is we like to use day sevens, day seven and a half, day eights, Um for recips, we don't like to use sixes or six and a halves. Those tend to be too early, and we we see a decrease in pregnancy rates if we use recips that are too early. In fact, I would favor a day nine over a day six. So
2: you six. would you would just as soon see a day nine recip over a day six. Yep. Your ideal probably a day seven and a half or eight, eight, eight and a half, eight. day eight. Yep. Okay. That's good to know, because I think in the past, a lot of people were thinking day seven.
3: Yep. And again, so that's still going to be true for conventional embryos, but for IVF embryos, the day eight is going to... So,
2: okay, so there's a difference between conventional and IVF. Correct. So when you're thinking about that, I mean, that's really really important. Yep. Because a day, I mean, so a day eight for IVF, day seven for conventional. Yep. And the reason for that...
3: Yeah, so the way that we count days is a little bit different, right? Because... We count days at time of fertilization in the lab, right? For an gotcha. IVF embryo, yep, okay. versus we count heats yep. in in conventional in the, embryos, right? Yep. And so they're going to be a little less advanced when we think about it from that, that makes perspective, sense. That and makes sense. Yeah. A, I got you gotcha do yeah. better in a yeah. earlier uterine environment.
2: Uh-huh. Gotcha. Um, be-
3: I would say, as far as setting up recips, most people use a Cedar Sync program. Obviously, yep. the the more synchronized we can get them, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, heat detection is critical when we talk about uh, the day of the day those are in. You know, or if they're day eights or day sevens, we can only we can only go in and, and palpate a CL and and see what size it is, or we can ultrasound a CL and see what size right. it is. We don't know by there's no ultrasound machine in the world that can tell you how old a cl is so okay. it's very critical that you are heat detecting and you have a good idea of when right. she was in heat that we're not mm-hmm. just making a, a just a guess, guess yep. about right. when she was in heat so that we're mm-hmm. getting the right days there um I would say, two. Um, when you're setting up recips, we see about a fifteen percent kind of kickout rate. So if you mm. if you want to put in sixty Ambrose, right, you need to set up seventy plus recips. Gotcha. Because
2: something? some of those recips that they go in and they won't they won't have a good CL or whatever, you, and they won't yeah they won't be suitable yep. for yeah
3: exactly. Um, we obviously, I mean, it makes sense to be picking those animals right when we think about advancing our genetics if we can take those most you know the lower genetic animals and use them as recipes so that Mm -hmm. when we think about what we do for the overall genetics of the herd right that's the the quickest way to move the needle in that regard um as far as postpartum we like to see them 70 days 70 days
2: okay yeah
3: um obviously avoiding any kind of disease or herd health issues um Live vaccine—that's another one that sometimes guys miss. Um, no live vaccine within six weeks. Of no
2: live cancer. vaccine within six weeks. Correct. Yep. Okay. Um,
3: and then on the the beef body condition score scale, that one to nine, we're looking for a six.
2: A six. Okay. Yep.
3: And then the other thing is just kind of movement. So, like, I know a lot of guys um, will have recips close up. They might be feeding them in lots close up, and then as soon as they get an embryo in, they want to chip them to where the grass is green and they don't have to feed twice a day. Um, And I just would caution you as far as the timing of that. So we either suggest doing it immediately after embryo transfer or after 40 days um the reason for that so there's kind of a critical time maternal recognition of pregnancy occurs around day 17 and then implantation occurs around day 40 so we want to avoid stressing the animal at those critical time points um and i would say when you move them to pasture to kind of depending on that pasture environment right if it's a smaller say it's a 40 and there's uh pond easily accessible that they don't have to walk too far or even automatic waterers, and you have the ability to supplement right that's not going to be a super stressful environment when i think about the guys out in the dakotas that have thousand acre pastures the cows are walking seven eight ten miles for water um, that's going to be a lot more stressful environment so we just kind of think about acclimating them Mm -hmm. to that environment and if it's going to be stressful to do so i'll recommend waiting till 40 days, mm-hmm, yeah. if that's at all possible.
2: Yeah, if you're going to go to the work to, to do all the unreal work and then put them in, the last thing you want to do is when you get that reset, move her at the wrong time or, or, or cause her stress. Yeah. So, that, uh, because then, then it defeats the purpose. So, yep. and then another thing, I mean, preg checking these recips.
3: Yep. So, um, I would, so kind of the earliest that we can do it in cattle is at 30 days. Um, I would say at least by day 60. Um, if you're interested in fetal sexing, you can do that between 60 and mm-hmm. 85. But absolutely, the earlier you know she's open, obviously, the better so that right. you can make a plan for her, whether that's mm-hmm. taking her to the sale barn or making sure she's mm-hmm. bull bred. And then your expectations of, of calving season, right? You don't have any surprises when you know those, when <laughs> right. you know when and how many of those
2: right. yeah, that's, are that, coming. Yeah, that's very, that's very critical, in my opinion, to know. To know when you implanted that embryo. Now, when you implant that embryo, don't just look at your cabin date. Say you put that embryo in April 7th. Well, you need to go back and look at your cabin book, okay, and say, okay, she was bred April 1st. Right, right. You know, so. Yep. so we're putting a
3: day 7 embryo into yeah. a day 7 or 8 reset.
2: Right, so, so you make don't sure. Don't forget
3: about that extra Make sure,
2: week. if you're making tags, make sure you're right on that. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to run it. And then make sure, you know, if you kick a clean out bowl in you know, falling behind them. And then sometimes, you know, or, you know, when you implant the embryos, you can just visually watch for heat. And I know in some of ours, okay, maybe she didn't take the first time or run her back in the second time. And once in a while, uh, and we have a really, really great person sticking our embryos in, and he's very, very, I'd, I'd recommend him above anybody putting embryos in, but he'll reach in there and go, well, you got a pregnant one here. So a lot of times, you know, even though they may show a heat, Sometimes those cows you put embryos in are, are are bred. Yep. What? What? Why is? I don't. I have a yeah, hard time so understanding. Yeah. So just
3: that. the activity. I mean, that's not uncommon to see some activity. And I, I guess the like really hard standing heat i would be kind of surprised to see on a pregnant animal yeah. but not not saying that it doesn't happen right. i don't have a great explanation for yeah, it yeah i mean
2: Logically. we just we just put patches yep. on yeah we don't sit and watch them 24 hours yeah, but, but maybe
3: she got underneath you know, the tree and started get,
2: rubbing they get in a group or something <laughs> yeah so and then that goes back to something else okay we got the cows implanted and they they went they, they passed over their 40 days they passed over 60 days okay now it's getting time it's getting time to calve Okay, and you got it down. Okay, so you implanted that embryo uh, April 1st. That's going to put her to have a calf right around the 1st of January, give or, t- give or take a couple days. Okay, and you know there was no way that a bull bred her after that because she wasn't exposed to a bull or anything. Okay, and she's getting close to that calving date or maybe a day over that calving date or two days. What's going on inside that cow at that time, Sean? Sure,
3: yeah, so... Um obviously when she's past her due date right there there can be in some cases so you know a few a few days past her due date is not not exceptional right that's yeah, not too right. unique but we have seen in some cases and i've heard with people using some of our competitors going well beyond their due date right um and they're essentially and it can it can happen in any system it's happened in our system but essentially there's a dissociation between that recipient and the calf she's carrying so she is not signaling she's not getting those signals for parturition or to calf right. and so it's critically important too that you know when she became pregnant so you have a good understanding of what she's due so that if she goes beyond her due date that you can induce her yeah um because every day beyond their due date they can that calf can gain one to two pounds a day which is amazing
2: i i didn't know i didn't realize (laughs) i mean you think two pounds a day on some of these holy you go 10 days over that's 20 pounds Yep.
3: yep um, and if we think about even more extended right so yeah uh, we kind of beat up on the beef guys in comparison to the dairy guys sometimes right. cuz the dairy guys are really on top of their mm-hmm. record keeping
2: immense record keepers yeah and
3: i would say sometimes on the beef side we go oh, maybe she yeah, got, got maybe the, she got yeah, the cleanup yeah, or yeah. maybe this happened um, <laughs> yeah. but really kind of staying on top of those and you know like i said the preg check is critical so that you know when you know for sure when she got pregnant right. or that she wasn't pregnant at that time and so yeah. she she's calving later. Um and obviously ensuring that you know the calf date, the the due date of that calf Mm -hmm. and then inducing if she hasn't calved is gonna save calves and mamas alike.
2: Yeah, and yeah and and uh we've had some okay and it just depends like on, on timing, whether Lauren's gonna be out at Nebraska Bowl service or I'm gonna be gone and we got two or three that are maybe, you know, they're close or right on the date. And, okay, we need, let's just soon have these out of here and basically induce them within every, everyone we've done, the calf has been on the ground in 36 hours. Yep. You know, some, you know, anywhere between 24 and 36 hours, you, you got a calf on the ground. Now, don't, for heaven's sakes, don't do it if there is a chance she could have got bred, uh, you later. know, later yeah. because then you're gonna then you're gonna just mess it up. But you got to you got to be pretty precise. But it's it's a tool you can use to prevent, you know, the bigger calves. But then again, with the Bovatec embryos, we haven't run into. I yes. mean, in the in, in when IVF first started years ago, people would say, oh, large calves, large sure. umbilical cords, and, and sure. things like that.
3: Yeah. So um, in the nineties, kind of when this was. Uh, more of a fledgling industry if you will yeah. people were kind of adding any growth factor to the media that they could to get those embryos to grow and in turn those calves to grow so there was a publication that came out in 2001 um pete hansen's lab in florida that basically demonstrated the addition of these growth factors in f- including fetal calf serum mm-hmm. caused these large calves so pretty much anybody who wanted to remain competitive took that out of their media yeah. that being said there still is like i said that kind of dissociation between the calf and and reset that times. right? And so we do see. Think our internal stats about one point two percent of the time we'll have okay. a bigger calf. So it does. It does still it happen. It does happen. Yeah. Um, I would argue it happens with AI bred calves too, though, right? Oh, oh yeah, it happens absolutely. With yeah, conventional, conventional flush fl- calves. Yeah, it. Ha-
2: it um, sometimes it just happens. So to say
3: that it's you know
2: completely to blame it just on yeah. IVF is not right. Not fair.
3: Correct. And but also to say that it's that it doesn't happen would also be. Mischaracterizing the situation too, yeah. right? So it, it certainly um, can happen, but if we're if we're on top of things and inducing, then mm-hmm. then that helps
2: us avoid those
3: situations for sure.
2: Awesome, awesome. So, hey, Courtney, Les Fogler, how hey. are you? Good. How are you? Hey, Courtney. Hey, uh, thanks thanks for uh, picking up today. Um, I'm in the studio right now, heard at media in Omaha, and I have Chantel Cruz with me today. And we're going to talk just a little bit uh, about IVF. So, uh, say hello, Chantel. Hello. <laughs> so she's so shy, Courtney. So, how are how are things, uh, Courtney? Just tell us a little bit about uh, where you're at, uh, location wise, and uh, w- and what what you do, where you're working.
0: Um, we are located uh, in Gainesville, Wisconsin. Um, and we're about 40, 45 minutes away from Madison where they there located. Okay. Um, I run a IVF donor uh, facility, and we also have a uh, too. Okay. too. Um, we just expanded this year before our barn could hold 100. Wow. Um, we expanded it now um, with the re uh to uh, 300 head. Um, facility Sweet. that we'd be able to hold. so so, so. 300
2: head of uh, donors or is this donors and recipients combined Donors and recipes donors and recipients awesome. so so Courtney, uh, obviously one of the reasons uh, I Chantel and I have been visiting uh, about uh, what I like to call the Bovatech difference. I mean obviously you use bovatech what are what are some of the reasons why you prefer Bovatech? Why do you like to use this company?
0: Um, I guess it'd be just more the quality of product. Um, before I started Blueprint, um, you know, we have our own Angus farm as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were doing a lot of different flushing different ways with different companies. Um, and then we started using Bovatech. oh, probably maybe 2015 okay. or so. Yeah. Um, and we just, I mean, it, it ramped up our... Um, what we were trying to sell for show heifers. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we were getting stickier eggs and we were getting more calves and we were getting more calves on the ground to market.
2: Oh, that's what it's um, all about. Right.
0: Right. I mean it's I guess for me it's more about live calves on the ground. And and we just found a big big difference once we started using uh Bovatex eggs and um at that time we were doing a lot of frozen. Yeah. Um With uh, working up here, we do, you know, do a lot of frozen eggs. Um, And I I do put in, um, you know, other embryos that Bovatech, you know, maybe hasn't made. Right. And I keep pretty good records. And, you know, for the frozen, Bovatech still is like kind of beating the competition as far as that's concerned. And I, I guess what I kind of feel is the difference is they kind of use FSH, you know, with maybe a different kind of protocol. Sure. And I just think um, from what I've kind of seen in our own program, like the O-site quality is so much better mm-hmm. with that.
2: Yeah. Well, absolutely. And up in your area, I mean, uh, dairy, beef, a little bit of both, Or I would imagine maybe dairy is predominantly more what you do or am I wrong?
0: Um, no, we do mostly beef. Oh, I'm way um, we wrong do then. have, we do have uh, one client of dairy, um, you know, uh-huh. one good consistent client. So, um, I guess it's a little bit of both. Okay,
2: awesome, awesome. So you started back back with the Bovatech uh, in 2015. Notice the difference. So um, that is awesome. So about how many? How many? Is there anything else you want to tell us about your the operation up there? Who is actually doing the uh, the OPUs for you up there?
0: Um, we work with SBS Repro, um, Dan, Dr. Dan Gander and his um, his people. Um, I think you know they're they're really attention to detail mm-hmm. um, for kind of the protocols that we follow, um, along with what I think Bovatech kind of encourages us to do as well. We do like a we implement a DFR, um, a dominant follicle removal. Correct. Um, I think that's kind of one of the extra thing we do, probably, compared yeah. to other facilities. Yeah. Um, and then I, I try to encourage my customers, if they want, to do a double DFR before, like, their first um, collection, just right. to give the vet right. a little bit more, you know, insight on how the cow is going to perform and what they need to do to um, make her work.
2: To, to get the best possible results. I know when we first yeah. started IVF... I mean, we would, we had a cow or two. We would, I mean, we, we would make the trip from Nebraska up to uh, your facility. And I've never been there personally, but uh, I do know that the person I had driving the truck or or, or delivering uh, Chris Steele or, or the other cows just uh, marveled at uh, what a nice facility you had up there and how nice everybody was. And then I know for me personally, talking to you on the phone, everything. Uh, it, you layer everything out the protocol is so nice it's it's really easy to do and uh the the eggs obviously that we got that you helped produce through Bovitech has been like we say really sticky uh and that's kind of how we got started uh you know expanded down here in nebraska and finally got an opu center going down here so but that's the nice thing i mean even i mean you're in wisconsin we're in nebraska so but we all work for the same team basically Bovatech. uh and uh, from my perspective, it's really enjoyable to do to do work with a company like that and put out a good product where we're helping uh, helping other people have success.
0: hundred percent.
2: Yeah Okay, hey Courtney, thanks so much uh, for your time before, before you hang up because I know you're probably gonna go get cow shots or, or do some feeding. Uh, <laughs> how can people get hold of you? What Is there a website, uh, Facebook or if somebody you know wants to go up to, uh, to blueprint, what's, how can they get hold of you, Courtney?
0: Um, we do have a website, uh, Blueprint Genetics uh, okay. Um And then we also have a Facebook, if you just look up Blueprint Genetics, um it should pop up. We got a, a big blue mono slope barn is kind of what our place looks like that we kinda of put yep. the picture out there for. Um yeah, my cell phone's on there and if you call and want to get information on our stuff you you talk directly to me.
2: Yep, and I and, and that's that's what that's really nice when you call out there and talk. Hey Courtney, thanks so much. Uh I know you got your plate is really full. You got a couple of twins at at, at you know uh, you've been taken care of, and it's really enjoyable to kind of watch your story and watch how you grow, and uh, really appreciate your your business. Chantel's going to no. jump in here here real quick, Courtney.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say from Bovatech's perspective, obviously without without having satellite centers like Blueprint Genetics, like Vogler's, um, we obviously wouldn't be able to put out the type of product that we do, and you guys know as good as anybody that we are incredibly. We'll use the nice word detail oriented instead of nitpicky. Um, but we really want to make sure that everything is in line. And the fact that you guys buy into, believe in that philosophy and execute it is the reason why we're able to have success. So just wanted to thank both of you from that regard and just make it clear that we wouldn't be able to, to do what we do without the satellite centers buying into our philosophy. And so I appreciate that from both of you.
2: Yeah. Well, we had, we had, uh, we got a good mentor here. Courtney. Yeah. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Hey Courtney, tell uh, tell Dr. Dan hi from the Voglers and uh from Chantel. And uh we'll be talking soon. All right.
0: Okay. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thank you guys. you Thanks, bet,
2: Courtney. yeah. Courtney. Bye bye. Okay, so we've got gosh, we covered a lot of stuff today. Uh so Chantel with with Bovatech, I know obviously we're an OPU center, Vogler Siemens Center and uh Nebraska Bull Service. We're located in southeast Nebraska. Uh Bovatech has other ones located out through throughout the united states what are i mean i know there's which t- you know we t- we had courtney we talked about courtney up at blueprint and then uh Zines and where are they located again pull Zines? yeah
3: pull Zines are in uh, central minnesota
2: okay
3: um brett cruz is the vet that aspirates there and then he has another location in pipestone okay um we work with bryce slavig uh in michigan okay um California, Ramon Tosta.
2: Okay.
3: Uh, Dean Lusk, he's in Idaho. I know mm. before you had Clem, Dean made a couple Dean, of trips Dean would fly, out, fly out here, yes. Yeah, great does a guy. great job. Yep. Um, Jeremy Block is in Florida. Okay. Uh, we've got three different folks in Indiana. We work with Stockfets, That's uh, Dave Dixon and Jake Hagee. Uh, we work with uh, Mark James at Ramuda. They're in Indiana as well. And then uh, Bethany Funnel at Purdue University okay. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, – Iowa, we work with uh, John Corman and DeWitt, that's okay. in the northeast corner of the state. Okay. Um, Clem, of course, comes yeah. to you. And yep. then SEK uh, yep. Genetics, which is in southeast Kansas.
2: My personal favorite.
3: <laughs> um, South Dakota, we work with a uh, Boyd Beans group there, okay. uh, Bovigen, um, and they're actually also going to Greg Schaefer's in North Dakota. Okay. So they're in South okay. and North Dakota. South and North Dakota you mentioned dan gander in wisconsin yes
2: wonderful guy um, dr dan yeah
3: yep. steve cove is also in wisconsin um as we go further east there um bill Crocher, he's in pennsylvania does a lot of dairy stuff but does some some beef stuff there too and he goes into new york and then our farthest east group would be eclipse genetics and they work in new york connecticut and maine okay
2: so, yeah. awesome awesome so you're getting a network bit out built out throughout the united states for for Bovatech. So, hey, thanks thanks a lot Chantel for coming in and I want to give a special thanks to uh to Courtney from Blueprint uh, Genetics for jumping on the phone today and then Brad Frecking from Frecking Cattle. Uh, I really want to thank him. He's a great customer and had a great testimonial for us. So, uh thanks thanks to both of you for for joining taking time out of your day and uh folks, if you have any questions uh, you know, give myself a call, Les Vogler at uh, Vogler Siemens Center, 402-944-2584. Talk to my daughter, Mel. Uh, she can help set up an appointment. She knows a hell of a lot more than I do. Uh, talk, give her a call, and she'll she'll guide you through, and uh, you'll be more than pleased. So, uh, thanks again, folks, and we'll talk to you later. A Huda Media Production.